They're checking cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of the top end pub. So he says it's good enough for Goldies and Jewies, it's good enough for me. Sure enough, sausage roll, down the cake hole. He even chewed. Oh my god, I nearly spewed. Smith. Uh oh. What's going on? More. Rob, 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 Rob. look at the time, man. Oh, showtime. Great. Yeah, let's go. Quick, Hurry up. Drink get up. your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos and welcome aboard the Tinny on a Week that leads up to that week, that weekend, the Festival of the Slipper, that's right. If you're into the ping pong tight short game, it's the Eagles and the Magpies, or if you happen to be of the thick neck bum sniffing persuasion, it's the Chooks and the Storm. But once again, as I often say, so astutely I might say, even if I do say so myself, it's a fantastic weekend to get out onto the harbour. While most punters are having a moist loosener in preparation for the kickoff, you can get out and sink the slipper into a few of Team Piscator. And isn't there some highly rated players out on the field for you to sink the slipper into in that regard, my co-host? And my sip slipper sinker of some note in crime, Timothy Moore. What do you think, fella? I think those were very astute observations. That's what I said, even if I didn't say so myself. You said it yourself, I'll back you. Yeah. Very astute. Very astute indeed. Never heard the uh, rugby league referred to as bum-sniffing pursuit, but I get it now. That's because well, that's what they do, isn't it? When yeah, they yeah. grab each other. Well, in theory, like I, as as is probably well known, I'm a rugby league person. Mm. But uh, that's when people and a, are uh, t- a bum sniffer or something. Like, <laughs> bum, like you know, I'm a dog from way back. But uh, as you know, when when they pack into the scrum, yeah. when people are referring yeah. to my beloved game in a mm. derogatory manner, they usually say oh, bum sniffers. Mm. Snout straight up the rectum. That's it. It's not only the uh, festival of the uh, what are we festival of the slipper? Slipper sinking the slipper uh, this weekend, but it's also uh, the advent of the school holidays for the first time in the territory. I mean, you wouldn't give a rat's if you're podcasting this elsewhere, but there's been a, a bit of a change, a controversial change in school holidays in the top end, Robert, where they've flogged a week of school holidays off the dry season, the best time of the year to get out and camp, and jammed it into October. It's probably clear how I feel about that. It's getting a bit warm to hang out in the tent. I'd rather flog a week off Christmas, wouldn't you? And uh, whack it on October. I feel ripped off that a week of my dry season holiday has been flogged to jam it back here at October. Look, I've, I've done some more thinking on it, though. Oh, yeah, I look, perhaps, it, perhaps it wasn't the teachers. I've had a little bit of a renaissance. A, piff- a piffinous yeah, moment. Uh, yes, an epiphanous moment. Uh, perhaps it wasn't the teachers whinging about the tired kids during the build-up that heralded an extra week's holiday here in October. Perhaps it was teachers who were dedicated fishos. Perhaps it was in pursuit of the Piscator, 
that one wants a, uh, a doubling of the holiday, a fortnight break mm. to get out amongst the kids, get the jocks, get the loins sweating and humid and infected and gangrenous with the build-up humidity, chasing some decent-sized barra together as a family, which you can't do uh, as efficiently anyway uh, during that uh, dry season. Holiday. I'm going I'm to back you on that, Timmy. Yeah. If you are... It is good for fisho families. If you are a teacher of, a, of an angling persuasion, mm. the last week of the school holidays in January or whatever is usually crap. It's yeah. usually monsoon or you can't do anything. Yeah. I think... Uh, uh, yes. I think that's what's where... happening. Mm. It's a funny old time, Tim. We've had a couple of decent... Uh, Drops of rain in Darwin and the outer area over recent days. Weird, hey? Yeah, yeah, like it was, it was 30 or 40 mil. It makes me very not. scared. How so? Often when this happens, people say, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great wet. It's yeah, great. oh, geez, it's September. raining already in it's September. September. Yeah, yeah, they do say that. And the, But I get scared because this has happened before and then you don't get a drop until uh, January. It has. It's it's pretty common when the, when the talk starts early about good rains. It's a punishing build-up, yeah. And you wait till well after Christmas for the first monsoon. We're touching wood. We're touching wood. It hasn't been a nice splash. Mm. The Big Barra are certainly moving around more prominently. Uh, Come the build-up, all the reports, everything on social media is indicating it, the whispers at the pub are indicating it. Actually getting people on the record to tell us about it, a little bit more of a challenge as we start to move into the genuine uh, subterfuge... Uh, the red herrings. Mm. But the, they're there. The reticence. Yes. Mm. The recalcitrance. The, yes, to mm. reveal the details. But certainly the evidence is the barrow getting bigger and more prolific. We will bring you what we can on Tales from the Tinny this hour. Next, however, uh, to kick us off some really, really big news for uh, fish shows with some serious coin swimming around in our waters. Absolutely. Teamwork plus. Big, long strokes. <laughs> stopping. Go like, oh, God, like, oh, you know, like... How the hell did that happen? You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Yeah, the G'day, Brad Fanning from Bet Easy. Yeah, Matty Hayden, mate of the territory and ambassador of Million Dollar Fish. I don't know how the hell you thought you could sneak into the territory. What are you doing here and what do you got to tell us? Well, launching season uh, four, which we're obviously very excited about. We've got lots of chances this year, Brad, right? There's massive changes this year. It's We're going to pimp, pimp it right up for, uh, for season four. We're pretty keen to see that big boy go off. Five million dollar fish are going to be in the water. Yeah, five million bucks uh, in the water, a total of uh, over two mil this year because you've got the five million dollar fish that are going to go off, the three from the first seasons and then two additional ones. That'll be extended in the competition as well to the 31st of March. So you've got more fish in the water, $110,000 fish, 20 purple tags this year with a charity donation. So you've got like lots more fishing and fishable fish in the water, which is just magic. Rather than one million dollar fish in the water... You're putting two in for this season and reactivating the previous million-dollar fish, bro. S1, MDF, 1469 was the one unique fish from year one. 1469? 1469. Season one. 
Season 2, MDF 2656. 2656 S2. S3, MDF 3556. 3556 Season 3. Yeah, that's right. So if you catch one of those tags from year one, two or three, you've won a million dollars. There'll be two going in for season four. So we split into five regions. Everyone's got a chance. It's going to the 31st of March. So what's brilliant about that, obviously, you've got less water. You've got all that runoff water starting to come through the season. I think that concentrate of fish, as we all know, is why we love coming up in the north to fish Barramundi um, in that runoff season. It's a smart way to go about getting people here as well, which is the main game, not only having local fishos with an opportunity, but also making sure that plenty of the other establishments around the joint here are well uh, patronised. What happens if I nail, let's say, the million-dollar fish from season two? I get him and I get him first. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're going to turn up the work Monday. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> and then from there, the, uh, the season four fish, everything reverts back to $10,000. So it's the 31st of March, no one's caught any of the five million dollar fish. What happens then? We're going to leave those five million dollar fish on and if you catch one between then and the start of season five, first of October 2019, you win a million dollars. So this is live? Yeah. The whole time? Yeah, this is on. This is absolute game on. Make sure you get online though and register because you never know, as, as we all know fishing, you've got to be in it to win it. Tell us about the charity fish. How's that going to play in this season? Yeah, well, between Hados and myself and others at the NT government, we decided we want to give a bit back to, you know, NT-specific charities. So we picked three specific charities, which we're going to throw 20-plus purple tags in the water in very easy, gettable, well-fished, uh, populated areas. And if you catch one of those fish, $2,500 to yourself... And then you're going to pick out of one of the three charities, uh, you're going to donate $2,500 to an NT charity. Who are the charities? NT Starball for the Starlight Foundation. And then we've also got the NT Cancer Council. And I'll let, you t- I'll let Matt tell you the uh, third charity. So we've got a Junior Indigenous uh, Guides Program that we've been activating out of Tiwi College. So uh, I'm very, very happy on behalf of our group that's you know, put a lot of effort and time into you know, generating about four million bucks um, spend up on Tiwi Islands to get, I guess, in a lot of ways to break that cycle with drugs and dependency that, that t- tends to happen in remote Australia. Um, what we've now got is we've got a bunch of kids that are actually in operations, Tiwi Island Adventures, that are actually guides, full-time guides, you know, which is unbelievable because, you know, these kids now are fishing in boats, telling stories, they're brilliant storytellers, from their own countries, be that Goose Creek or other country in Tiwi, uh, and the punter like me gets a chance to, to, to live that experience. All right, so you want these 20 charity purple tags to go off. Can the tinny have a few, Matt? I reckon you're probably in the game, yeah. Can we have one? You blokes can fish a bit, can't you? <laughs> I can, Rob's not so well, much. Well, okay. No, I'm a brilliant fisherman. I've got three purple tags here that you can do with whatever you like. Okay, so... I go tag them, then I go back and catch them. I get two and a half grand, give two and a half grand to your charity. Easy, done? Yeah, do that. That'll be good. Okay, good. Are we good? No, no, we're not good. No, you're (laughs) going to put them out there for your listeners. Okay, so I tag them and I tell my missus the GPS marks. She catches them, two and a half grand to a charity. The broader tinny community. I've got a five-year-old daughter. (laughs) I catch, I tag, she catches two and a half grand to charity. The whole of your, the tinny church, the broad church, which is, you know, the fishing mecca 
is going to have a chance for these three people to text because you're going to know where they are and you can tell them. You know, either way, I'm stoked. You know, so you, <laughs> it's his you, money. Mate, you kick cans, I can, I'm okay with that. <laughs> your bye, Brad. Good on you, boys. Spot on. I look forward to getting in the water. First of October, register mindolfish.com.au. Thanks, Matt. Pleasure. Rob, do you remember Undie Club we were discussing a little while back? I do indeed. Lisa's fella, uh, Lisa the Brave, uh, her fella joined an Undie Club. So you sign up to a subscription and for something like 20 bucks you get one pair of undies a month. Mm. Which we thought was, well I thought anyway, was absolutely ludicrous and a genuine rip-off. And they would have to be excellent undies. Uh, or I would have to be desperate for some really high-end expensive undies to join a subscription undie club. <laughs> we weren't sure what to make of it. Well, I wasn't sure because I sort of eminently don't qualify in the main sense because of my, well, uh, previously stated lack of underwear wearing. That's right. Actually, when you raised that, you restored the mental health and self-confidence oh. of young Rico. Remember the oh. young 10-year-old kid who was listening? He was having crises because he thought he was the only bloke on the planet who didn't go grunt, didn't go the Grundies. Yeah, he'd, he'd been going commando since he was two years old, which was accepted by his family, but internally he thought he was alone in the world. Anyway, he's not. Now he knows. He, he's, he's out and proud now. The point of raising it again anyway is because Lisa provided an update on the voice message during the week. Um, the Undy Club are moving into women's wear. Update Tim on the uh, Undy Club situation. Um, I declined the kind offer of the subscription. The underwear available for women are G-strings. And I said, sure, you can sign me up to an Undy Club that's going to give me underwear that I will not enjoy wearing if you wear a G-string for a week and then get back to me. If you can hack it for a week. He said, no way am I wearing a bit of elasticised cotton rubbing on my whole... <laughs> Every step that I take. <laughs> and we're, so, we're, so we're there's in that list. There's another. That was quite uh, unequivocal. Yeah, I, it I was. Say. Another yeah. anti undie club member. But see, I, th- I reckon Lisa could join us. <laughs> no well, interest whatsoever. I've got a couple of points to make here. I think it's irresponsible of the undie club to be so, I don't know, misogynistic that they oh, think to, that to, every woman wants to wear. To only run G strings. Yeah. But yeah. The, other, the other side is I could possibly join the undie club. I can see. Like in the pool room, yeah. every I've got my framed undie. I, I'm expecting that they're artisan pieces of work. Well, so surely, can, at that cost, yeah, for subscription undie club, you'd have to be putting them on the wall as and, a work and make of an, art. Make an installation out of them. Yeah, and and you're supporting the local artisans. So I can you're see now that point. you're now a supporter of undie club. I'm ambivalent. Yeah, well, we still don't know whether that has. Well, see, I think I think it's obvious that Lisa and I are both in the same club. Whether we join or not, we're not going to wear them. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, That's clear. By the way, Lisa, up until now, this is Lisa the Brave, who's the producer of Tales from the Tinny. You'll meet her out at the boat ramp or out on the street. Um, Up until now, her PB Barra has been a 64 centimetre. She didn't tell you that when she went out to the SWB comp the other week, she flicked her lure out. It was a vibe, so it was sinking. She had a huge bird's nest on. While extracting the bird's nest, massive 80 centimetre barra nailed the vibe, launched out of the water. Biggest fish she's ever had on the line. Done. Just busted off because she was, she was so good. I said, why didn't you skull drag it hand over hand? And lose three fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, I'm not doing that. She's, she's quite firm Nearly about 80. what she's not doing. Yeah. Good on you.
I'm not wearing G-bangers, and I'm not skull-dragging in a fish no matter how big it is. I'm brave. I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to lose. Your PB is still only 64. (laughs) Not so bloody brave, Lisa. Uh, that sort of uh, merges into our next report. Though. There's How been so, lo- Well, there's been lots of reports over the weekends of sales. And, you know, we've talked the, about the statistics of sales before. Mm. How we go, uh, what is it, uh, raised, hooked, boated. Yep. As in one zero zero. We'll see, what does that 80 count as? As a raised and... Hooked. And, but not boated. One one zero. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Anyway, uh, let's just go to some stats. Let's just cut straight to the stats which is what sail fishing seems to be all about. In the last seven days, Jason Nat Rogers, 6 a zero, 0 Ouch. Bruce Simpson, 2-1-1 sails and 1-1-0 micro marlin. Shane Compain, 6-2-1 sails and 1-0-0 black. Kel Payne, 3-2-1. That rolls off the tongue nicely. Mm. Ken Roderick, 5-3-2 sails, 1-1-1 blacks. It's almost like this a, is good fun. These it, yeah, it's like can a I bingo, have a go? It's like a bingo call. Go on. Can I have a go? Yeah. Matt Barrett two two two, Connor Farris one 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 over. <laughs> right, Just go. out near the witch's nose. <laughs> anyway, that's that's all right. I mean, it's not stunning, but they're around. Mm. Uh, lots of pics, as we said before, showing up on social media. Whispers around town of the bigger barra coming in. Been a bit of a mission this week to really get anyone to fess up, but certainly around coastal headlands. And the mouths of rivers, for those working hard, this applies to pretty much everywhere. There are bigger barra turning up. A really good report coming up worth looking forward to from Jason Bettles, who gives us a rundown on a bit of how, why, where and when. Now, as we, it is a challenge because people are playing it a bit close to their chest, which is totally understandable. But we have the technology fishers. We can disguise your voice. Mm. We can hide your identity. And hide the location. Hide the location. And though, as you well know, Timmy... Anyone who calls me a journalist, I will throw rocks at them mm. and say it's the, the hugest insult I've ever had in my life. Mm. But we do subscribe to the journalistic ethic of protecting our sources. Yes, we do. We'll absolutely. go to the grave. We, abso- we absolutely will. We will absolutely go to the grave. Mm. Wade Kelly gave us all week. He said we could use his name, otherwise we would have gone to the grave <laughs> protecting your identity. Wade. After working harder on his fly fishing for quite a few months now, he's back. And by back... We mean back on the rod, fishing for barra, and he's had some luck over the weekend. Good to finally slap a barra that fills your hand again, he says. Mm, See, Uh, that's one of the clues. That's one of the clues. Uh, He tells us not to get too excited. It was actually the only barra he landed all day in a secret spot. He wouldn't fear or reveal the location for fear of retribution from Juddy and others. No worries. We'll go to the grave. We'll go to the grave. But it's a good-sized one and nice silver unit too. Great-looking fish. Lats uh, got onto us. Build it and they will come, he said. First bar on his new cast deck just happens to be a metery. Boom, boom. If you don't mind. Good on you, lads. What a way to christen the cast deck. Nice works. We uh, would expect sm- nothing less. Yeah, we would. Much. The pic of that is on Facebook. That's a, 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 a nice-looking unit. Uh, sneaky little text from uh, Tristan Sloan uh, with some pretty dark pictures. Last night on Corroboree Midnight Session, he said. Midnight. He loves the night He times. loves the night yeah. time fishing. Uh, 97 barra. Closest Ooh. I've come to dong and a metery in the bong. Ooh. He said things are warming up. The big fish are super shut down here this year, but I think I've cracked something here. It's a bloody good he's, uh, corroboree barra. He's got a secret little uh, technique, obviously, festering away under the Sloan hat. Another pick on Facebook, Darwin Barra Fishing Tours. They just got back in from Endergout. One of the fish shows there, Mike, set a new PB with a healthy 118 centimetre. It looked um, fat, dude. It looked fat. Healthy, all right, man. That's a good... 
That's a good fish. On the cast out near Mini Mini. Released after the photo. Swam off strongly to get ready for spawning. Spawning jiggy jig. Uh, congrats to local fish show Leanne Brown, who won the women's biggest barra at the 20th annual Kananara Barra Bash. She, uh, Leanne said at the presentation, it was so exciting. It was my first ever barra, and it jumped and ran. and just kept reeling. And then it jumped into the net, thanks to my skipper, Matt Sartori. And then she uh, finishes off her comments with a quite, it's like a just a, a sign-off on the presentation. 88, shut the gate. Woohoo! Oh, I could just see it, Leanne. I hope you said that up on the podium. I did. Uh, with two 88, hands. shut the gate! <laughs> with the appropriate hand motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, just finally, too, the government's been investigating the feasibility of access uh, into Shoal Bay, Rob. To get a ramp on the Howard River. Again, still. Yeah, like that would have been 10, 15 years ago. No. Dixie's one closed, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, Probably more, actually. So yeah. They've been trying to work out the who owns the land and all that access stuff. Jerry Wood, the member for Nelson, met with the department for an update this week. Unfortunately, things ain't looking pretty. It uh, doesn't look good. Both the old ramp still owned by private people and the, and the one option might be to the north, which um, Billy Bowstead owns. And Billy's not, I don't think, interested in selling that. Uh, the other option would be to try and sneak up to King River on the Department of Defence land, where the Navy is, but they, they're not going to allow that to happen. Um, so I think at the moment it's not going to be the way. The other option is to upgrade Leaders Creek, because we you know the bitumen is going to go right up to Gunpoint Beach, or the, uh, that area there. The other option is maybe to improve access into Saltwater Arm and to Leaders Creek. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a voice. Now, the fourth estate of the tinny who we referred to earlier, Packy Andy. Super sub. Yeah, he'll be taking one of those uh, $5,000 charity tags and launching it somewhere. He's not here at the moment, though. He's been banging on all year about how pound-for-pound tarpon are a great sports fish. Mm. It actually means, pound-for-pound actually means I can't catch a barra. I'll have to try to talk up these crap fish to justify to myself that I'm still having a good time. It's just the equivalent of... The bird life was amazing. It is. The sunrise it was is. out of this world. It's just rubbish talk. Yeah. And we don't stand for rubbish it's talk. It's obfuscation. Yeah, and we it's don't stand... distraction. We will not stand for it. No. But so desperate to prove me wrong, he's now gone on a plane, flown halfway around the world to demonstrate that pound-for-pound tarpon are great sports fish. G'day, this is Packy Andy and I'm at Sydney International Airport about to jump on a flight to Orlando, Florida where the destination is Boca Grande the international home of the biggest tarpon in the world so what started as a bit of fun on the billabongs of the Northern Territory and a substitute for hard to find barra at some times of the year has now become an obsession I'd like to welcome you aboard the service today from Sydney to Dallas we have a flight time of just on 15 hours. Once we get airborne, we'll get back to you with some further details on the flight. Do not get out of your seat until you see that the seatbelt sign has been turned out and we're stopped at the gate. Thanks for coming with us. Have a good time here in Orlando. Okay. Rightio, 30 hours of travelling, we're finally here. <laughs> cheers, cheers boys. This for the big, this for the... Uh, Tales from the titty, cheers to a frothy and a waffle. I'll explain that to you later. Right now we're fishing in Boca Grande. Boca Grande is just the mouth of Charlotte Harbour. 
We're out here uh, targeting tarpon. Um, like that one. Yeah, like that one right there. There's quite a few around us right now. What's a small tarpon? A small tarpon for us is anything under 100 pounds. An average tarpon is probably about 120 to 140. And a trophy fish would be anything about 180 pounds plus with uh, with a 200 pounder being what everybody shoots for. And I use both live bait and artificials. I've heard this saying since I've been here, bow to the king. Now, where I come from, that's pretty much what I have to do to Tim and Rob if I want to get on the show <laughs> for a week. But uh, what does it mean here at Boca Grand? Yeah, so bow to the king is uh, when the target jumps, you just want to kind of point your point your rod tip at the fish. This is give him a little bit of slack, so when he's shaking his head, um, you don't break the line or pull the hook out of his mouth because you just, you're going to almost guarantee that when you hook a tarpon, it's going to jump within the first 30 seconds. And it's usually going to jump multiple times. And when you got a 150-pound fish jumping six, seven feet in the air, shaking his head as hard as he can shake it, if you're going to if you're going to yank back and he's yanking the opposite direction, it's real easy to pull a hook or, or even worse, you know, break break the line off in him. Before I go, um, tell me if you don't understand my Australian when I'm saying this, but basically we've got a drunken albatross called Neville and we get him to fly around the world and drop off these 120 wire fast go, go, go red stickers. So this is a Tales from the Tinny sticker and Neville, our drunken albatross, has flown all the way through uh, the hurricane nearby actually <laughs> and dropped this off at the hotel. This is for you, it's a gift um, because we like to bring gifts to our international counterparts. Guaranteed it'll increase your catch rate, so you're now going to outfish all the other yeah. fishing guides. <laughs> But we've had some really good results in this in Australia, seriously. I mean, these, these stickers have saved marriages. Uh, just the other day, we sent two out to a listener who wrote back and said that he sa- had saved both his balls. Yeah. That's our gift to you, country right. to country. And let, let's go and find some of these fish, because I really, if we're going to put this to air, I need some uh, sort of fishy stuff, not yeah. just us talking. So let's try to get one. <laughs> let's go. Yeah. He's a great advocate isn't he, Andy? Flying the flag for the tinny. You can get on with catching one anytime soon, though, Andy. That'd yeah, be, that'd, be, that'd be good. That'd be a start. Yeah. Filed in, of course, on the mighty Tales from the Tinny Field recording app, which we can send your way to, uh, from On the Water in the US. Uh, he says, hope you get a good yarn out of it. He said, I did my best to capture the best moments of this, including activating the app during the initial stages of a significant hookup. Much to the disgust of the guide, who said, Leave your phone alone, this is a big fish, he said. But Andy replied, as Andy would, the selfless creature that he is. Yeah, 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 but I need to think of the church before self, mate. (laughs) Good on him. He didn't speak to me much after that, Andy said. Probably thought I was a Mormon. G'day, my name's Ian Norton, I'm one of the emergency doctors in the Royal Darwin Hospital. Recently I was treating a man and his wife. He, they had been out fishing, I think they were well offshore. She had been just sitting at the back enjoying herself on the boat and he had put a live ear, a mullet I think it was, onto a huge live hook. Had taken a big swing up, tried to throw it overboard and this huge hook had gone into her scalp. So he had a live mullet on a hook in his wife's scalp. They turned round and uh, headed for shore. They came in here, the mullet was still on the hook. It wasn't alive anymore. But luckily it was such a fresh mullet, it didn't smell too much. Uh, we removed the mullet first and then we managed to get the hook out of her head. She wasn't impressed. Fishing is not fun, it's not funny, it's a dangerous business. Tales from the tinny. <laughs> <laughs> we say it often, Timmy, don't we? As battle-hardened, 
tiger country, tough territory fishers. We laugh in the face of danger. <laughs> but the reality is that there are times when that danger mm. is no longer a laughing matter. Now, this was definitely the case for regular territory fishers Belinda and Neil Bingham last week during one of their regular, normal and somewhat unremarkable midweek bottom bashing trips. Because something most irregular, very much out of the ordinary and quite remarkably dangerous happened. And no one was laughing. Out fishing, enjoying a beautiful day, when a fish, a mackerel, about a metre, ten kilos, came out of nowhere and whacked me in the neck and knocked me over. I was saying to Neil, something's hit me. And I came up and just blood was everywhere. So I, I grabbed the cleanest fishing towel that was next to me and just whacked it in the wound. I didn't see it, I didn't know how big it was. I just realised a lot of blood. So I held it tight and then leant on the seat and forced the wad into the area to try and stop the bleeding. Where were you standing in the boat at the time? Standing in the rear of the boat behind the two seats, so it's come up pretty high. How tall are you, Belinda? I'm 5'2". <laughs> so that it's come out of the water at about six feet above water level, you'd have to think, six or seven feet. Yeah. Yes, it would have. Husband Neil, yeah. it must have been a considerable shock, mate. It was. Neither of us had a line in the water at the time. I was putting bait on, right, so my back was towards Belinda, and the next thing she's on the floor at my feet going, something's hit me, something's hit me. And she looked up and she had a hand to her throat and you could see the blood coming out through her fingers, pumping. You know, it's like having your throat slit. Yeah. So it was pumping, so yeah. it was arterial blood yeah. we're talking. Yeah, my shirt was just, the whole chest on the right-hand side was just blood. And that was in a matter of two or three seconds. I was just drenched in blood. So from there it was just grab the phone, triple zero. We were fishing off the pipeline, Conoco Phillips. I said Channel Island boat ramp. And by the time we got there, the police and the Ambos, they were there on the ramp. So they were there really quick. I can't thank them enough. So, Belinda, can you describe for us what's happened? There's a significant wound. Yeah, it's quite long, gash to my throat. It's quite deep. Went down to the thyroid. They were a little bit concerned about that. Other than that, it's the chest pain and my voice, because uh, the fish bashed my throat and they've been worried about the voice coming back but it's the chest pain it's like a whiplash i think it's very sore oh well we know how mackerel go <laughs> and a 10 kilo mackerel that's launched itself and you've basically backstopped it mm-hmm. that fish has had some momentum it sure had some momentum it just knocked me off my feet didn't see it coming didn't see a thing The wound starts probably somewhere just above your sternum almost Mm. and comes right around towards almost your collarbone. Mm. It's a a horrendous wound, Neil. It is, but the main thing is she's still here to tell a story because when I first saw it, it, I'm quite sure that's what the Ambos and the police thought, gee, he's cut a throat out there. So got to RDH, straight into surgery? Uh, No, not till that evening. Um, I had it stitched up and cleaned out and... My throat looked at and different things. I didn't get back to the ward as it was till about 11 o'clock. Big day. Big day on the water indeed. And, and a few days in keeping an eye on you after that. Yeah, a few. Just I wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible. I came home Wednesday lunchtime. 
they would have obviously been uh, fairly worried about infection too, I'm guessing. It was a dirty old fishing towel I was using. I was going to say, when you said the cleanest towel on a fishing boat, I was thinking to my fishing boat and thinking, well, the cleanest one I think would still give you gangrene. Yeah. <laughs> this day, that towel had not touched a fish, though. Unfortunately for us at the town hall holes, the dewies weren't on the tube. And I had a nice goalie that we were going to have for dinner that night. Big cod. And we thought, we're on the way home, we'll go and we'll stop at the pipeline, because quite often you pick up a fish there, only been there 10 minutes, bang. Yeah, we had fish in the esky, and we would have had that mackerel too. But <laughs> That is the burning question I was about to get to, Belinda. Now, we've got this, the, the weapon in question that has done you wrong, has done you the damage, flapping around on the floor of the boat, did... You eat the bugger. No, we didn't. (laughs) Because by the time all this eventuated, with mackerel, when I catch a mackerel, I like to bleed them straight away. To me, it had been too long. And but it had bled your wife instead. Yeah. (laughs) And I suppose the last thing you want when you've got this going on is a mackerel going womber in the bottom of the boat. It was dead when it hit the floor. Stone cold dead. Oh, you can take some heart in that, Blender. It punched you, but geez, you punched it back. Yes, I sure did. If it was going berserk, I'd have been in trouble. It would have cut me more, I'd say, but it didn't move. So you've got a few people visiting and uh, coming to take care of you. Uh, Yeah, I'm lucky I've got my lovely little lady living next door. She came charging in and lay on the end of the bed saying, Oh, f*** you nearly cut your head off. (laughs) It was awful. I'm saying, calm down, calm down, I'm fine. She was saying, I can't look. God, it's awful. (laughs) Yeah. Right, well, I've just got to say hats off to both of you. The calmness and the way in which you dealt with it is a testament to you. Um, Well done, Neil. Yeah, you've got to do what you've got to do. What was I going to do? Let her bleed to death and then throw her overboard and keep the mackerel? Yeah, we survived it. We got over it. Well, we're getting over it. (laughs) We were very calm. We just dealt with what we had to. Stop the bleeding. Yeah, the crew did a very good job. Me. <laughs> yeah. Ah, and I thought this is a tale for the tinny. Good on you. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Tinny boys, search and tackle! <laughs> G'day, um, it's Jace from Wildside Sport Fishing. Very exciting time of year in the top end, Jace. Uh, the humidity's creeping in, the, the temperature's already here. The fish know it, the lizards know it, the birds know it. It's all about to happen. Well, it's been happening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've missed the bus already. Yeah. yeah, and I think it got underway pretty early this year. It was certainly happening uh, even in early August for us. How have you seen it translating recently into the size of fish, firstly? Yeah, well, obviously, as every barra tragic knows, the bigger barra are more likely to throw caution to the wind or they get hungry or whatever's going on there. They, they just feed. And, yeah, if you can put a lure in front of their nose at the right time of day or the right tide, there's a good chance they're going to have a go at it. Uh, we're pretty much in October now, Jay. So over that time, do you see the transition of the, the Towie boys in the, you know, the 60, 70 range transitioning to the big girls? All the barra at the moment are feeding, and you can sort of pick and choose what you want to target. You know, when it's colder, you've got to t- take the risk a little bit to target the bigger fish, whereas now those big fish are piling up in the, along the mouths and the coastal areas. You can be pretty confident that if you find them and then feeding them the right bait or the right lure, more to the point, um, they're going to ha- probably have a crack now. 
What are some basics of how to find them in the build-up for fish shows who are, who are maybe heading into their first build-up this year? What conditions, what country are you looking for? Um, talking big fish here, because they tend to be apart from the smaller fish. You sort of 80 metre plus models, they tend to be in the same schools. You will find bigger fish in amongst the little guys. I would just be side scanning up river channels and areas where you know they frequent and just looking for them and then staying on them once you find them. Learn your sounder and be confident that you know what a barra shows up like. That is the key. Mouths of big rivers at this time predominantly yep. and, and coastal areas, but with the advent of side scanning, aren't a lot of fish shows increasingly finding there doesn't always have to be structure there. It doesn't have to be a run of snags. It doesn't have to be a rock bar. It doesn't have to be where a nice flat meets a rocky outcrop necessarily. That's typically your average sort of smaller size barra that are like that. We're finding more and more and like with the advent of, I guess, mackerel trolling in the daily and all that sort of stuff, the fish are just floating down the middle of the river and I describe the river as a conveyor belt and brings the fish up and down the river and I think because they're higher in the food chain they tend to just do whatever they want, as in they float down the middle of the river. They don't need to hold on any structure and it's not until they're injured or something that they suddenly become food for something else. Harking back to older times or to uh, you know maybe people who are behind the fashion curve like myself who haven't got side scan. We're rooted these days. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we just we're. keep casting the snags for 30, 40 centimetre barra. That, that is our lot, Rob. That is our lot in life. Or trying to take on wisdom like this and just trolling pointlessly up the guts of a river. So if we're looking for actual features that the eye can determine and a plain old depth sounder, what sort of points are we heading for? See, this is something we're really touching on. What you can see as an angler, you know, above the water, it doesn't necessarily transfer to what's going on below the water, and especially with a big fish. So really, if you don't have a side scanner, you've got no way of locating these guys, then you've just got to try and persist in areas where you know they're going to be holding up. But quite often, like, I find them way offshore, still in the channel, but, you know, they're a long way out, even on a high tide. This sort of preconception that they're going to be next to this corner or next to this flatter, it doesn't work as well with the bigger fish. You know, they just float. So we're doomed. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, colour and colour of water and colour change is still relevant for an angler looking above the water, though, isn't it? Surely still, despite the technology, your instincts and your loins get a bit moist when you see that perfect colour move into the mouth of a river. Uh, <laughs> no? Moist loins. Yeah. Um, look, you know what I'm talking about. It's a common affliction. You, yeah. you t- look, we're all tragics, mate. We get fired up. I love it. Even when I'm marking them and I haven't even caught them yet, you know, you get excited. Definitely colour changes and back eddies are always going to hold fish. The thing is, you've got to know where they're going to be, not necessarily where they are straight away. So try and fish areas where, they'll, where they're going to come to you because they move down with the current. You know, On the use, conveyor belt. They use that conveyor belt and they just ride up and down the bait rods, up and down the crocodiles. Everything does the same thing. It just floats up and down. You find the smaller fish, they'll hold on structure and different sort of obstructions up and down the river at times. But when it's really turbid, they float up and down a lot of the time too when it's really dirty. You know, so they'll just float up and down like the big ones. So... Having uh, passed on some of that great wisdom about local locales, you're deserting them, mate. You're being dragged south. <laughs> dragged, yeah. Yeah, we're packing up. It's been a fantastic, well, over a decade in the game. I'd just like to say a massive thanks, and uh, it's been a pleasure dealing with the local fishers around here. You know, obviously we've had our moments, but well, I've had a ball. It's been great raising two young kids and, uh, and enjoying what the NT's got to offer, and 
And yeah, maybe see you guys on the water down there someday. Let's be realistic though. You've talked about the passion. You've talked about being a barra tragic. <laughs> Can you ever take that passion and apply it to brim down south or, or flathead? Yeah, it's funny. I, mean, with I, I don't want to make the transition any worse, but let's just... You're hurting the black team. You're hurting the black. Let's call it how it is. get the tears flowing, I can say. <laughs> it always works on a current affair. It ends an interview in fantastic note. Can you squeeze one out for us, Jack? Yeah, oh, I can try, mate. To be honest, uh, I don't think anything is quite like barra fishing. They're a strange creature. And uh, once you start to get them wide, it's a huge buzz. I'm going to go for Mulloway down there, and they're very similar in that they're a tricky uh, animal to catch, so... Yeah, that's what I'll be setting my sights on. Right, Jace. Well, uh, good luck to you and the family. And uh, thanks for talking to the Tinny over the years, fella. Thanks, Robbie and uh, Timmy and uh, everyone else out there that supported us. Good luck. Yeah, send us a... Um, tar- brim photo. Yeah, send us, <laughs> send us a correspondence app of you catching brim and flathead if you dare. <laughs> oh. Now's about the time you squeeze out the tear, Jace, if you get managed. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Just a quick blub. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, fella. Catch ya. Cheers, boys. Tails from the tinny. Get a muddle up your brass. Packy Andy's filed in this week from the US where he's gone to great lengths to try to prove what a great sports fish tarpon are, pound for pound. So one of our other boats here has got a double hookup on 100-pounders. Oh. We're, we're like 30 metres away from their boat, and that sounded like, like a buffalo boof. And at this point, as I float on the water in the middle of Florida, I just want to send a shout-out to all those who joke about pound for pound. You're on again, mate. Oh. Ah, oh. oh. it is a monster. He's coming up. Oh, I can't stop him. I'm gonna get my gloves on, Andy, and uh, okay, we'll do the same thing as last time. All right, got it. Oh, I've seen the bite. Oh, oh, oh. It's a bigger fish for sure. It is. 100 pounder. So we have built from 60 up to average. Look at him go. Just for the record, we got 50 pound braid there on an 80 pound leader, and there's a fair bit of drag on that. So it's a strong fish. Uh, I got to pinch myself here, you know. I've been wanting to do this since I was a little kid. You can pinch me while you're at it. (laughs) Bring him to the left, right. The Australian left, yeah? Or the American left? (laughs) He turned himself. Oh, look at that! That is a massive fish. Look at that. Good, that's good. That is a big fish, Andy. This is a big fish. Guestimates on the weight, Chuck? Probably 115. 115 pounds. 115 on that one. And he's starting to tire out here. They were genuinely big fish. There's a a challenge on every level. I've never experienced anything like it, Rob. Not not this sort of power. Yep. For a fish in shallow water caught on a cast. Yep. It's second to none. Like that? (laughs) I've got to touch him. Oh, 
pound for pound, that is unbeatable. I'm spent five feet. Five foot, yeah. Well, as we cruise back in from the ocean up the canal in Boca Grande, passing all these multi-million dollar homes of the rich and famous. Apparently this is where the presidents come to stay and what a sensational day. Um, Tim, Rob and Lisa, I've just got to say it, it really has been great working with you on the tinny. It's, it's a great show and a great community and I've enjoyed it. If you could just pass on to my family that I've just put a deposit on a place in Boca Grande um, and they've been great too, my family. I love my family but I've found home now and um, this is where it's going to be. So this is Packy Andy signing off. Uh, I'll keep in contact from my new home over here in Florida using the app uh, and I'll fish the boat here with my mate with his red Go Fast sticker, home of the world's most giant of tarpon. Pound for pound, this is my new life. Good on you, Andy. Relate the family day, pound for pound. Those giant tarpon do sound like worthy foes, however. Red, fast and free. Presenting the Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Some say it was calibrated by NASA to within a thousandth of a micron. Some say it's been printed over a billion times. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the Tinny on Facebook to get yours. Hiya, boys. I'd love a couple of the latest go-fast red fish measuring devices for my brother's two boats. Mm. I live in the Adelaide Hills, and as such, I don't have any funny stories to share. <laughs> there'd, be, there'd be some good stories no, from the Adelaide one, Hills. One can presume from that that no humour exists in the Adelaide in the Hills. Adelaide Hills. Nice bit of wine up there. Yeah, cold though. Gee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the depths of winter, cold. Gee. Oh, Therefore, no humour. No humour. Mm. I did manage to get up to Darwin back in March. We went out with uh, one of the guides up there, fished some coastal creeks from Shady. We worked bloody hard for three days. We didn't get a metery. Got over 20 fish in the 90s. Oh, mate, Craig, well, you've got to be happy with that. Did, uh, don't you? You don't start this. Uh, we better go through the list first and then refer back, yeah, okay. I think, Tim. Uh, including two 99 centimetres, two 98 and three or four at 97 and so and on. And so on. But no metery. Okay, Craig, I can see now that must have hurt. But, I mean, that must you have don't hurt. start, we didn't get a metery. However, you just say, we got this, 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 this and this, this, but no metery. But we didn't get a metery. No, it's still hurting, Craig. I think he's, he's half a glass half empty, Craig. Oh, no, 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 he comes good. Glass oh, yeah. half full. I guess oh, that yeah. means I'll just have to convince the bride that I need to go back up there next year. Oh, Bang well, on. Sorted. Glass half full. Glass half full. Anyway, send me a couple of stickers, please. That'd be great regards. Craig, they are on their way. Uh, this is uh, Dave from Mackay in Queensland, who starts off by saying, good fellows of the tinny. Good afternoon, Dave. <laughs> Good afternoon, David. People are starting yes. to yes, understand sir. that sucking up to us doesn't <laughs> yeah. work. Yeah, like guardians of the tinny. <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent sucker. I see. Oh, it just continues on in the first line. Does it? Yeah. Keep it coming. I'm listening. I, I'm, I'm re- listening. <laughs> I recently discovered your fine show while on a month-long excursion to the Coburg Peninsula. Very good, Dave. That's the good news. Uh-oh. The bad news oh, is <laughs> the bad news is that upon return to my not nearly as good as the NT home waters, I've been plagued by nothing but bad luck. 
This bad luck, however, has not extended to my boating partner, who has proceeded to drag in barra after barra, while me and me little mullet mate wait patiently with nary a nervous tick. I thought you would have been waiting with quite a few nervous ticks. You'd be getting a real twitch up at the back of the boat if there's fish coming in all the time and you're not getting them. I've come to the conclusion that my only chance to turn these fortunes around would be the definitely not exaggerated good luck that emanates from your fabled go fast 120YYY sticker. Please, please, for the love of the mullet. For the love of the mullet? Help me turn things around. Dave, your life, my friend, is about to take a violent U-turn. And finally, Mitch, who's a Maritime Academy coordinator... At Manangarita College. Now, I presume, Mitch, that title means... You've got the boat. you got the boat. You just fish hard with the kids. Man, what a gig. What a gig. Send me the app now. Sure, Mitch. Sure, Mitch. You sound... Mitch, you sound like a bloke we need to be speaking to. Also, my own boat isn't going as fast as it could be. And our school boat is pretty drab. There we are. It does have a school boat. Yeah, yeah. (sighs) Sweet. Imagine going to that school. Yeah. This whole school should have it. Yeah. Should have someone Can like you... you in charge, Mitch. Uh, and men and greet it too. Can you imagine if, oh, one, if you had a subject at school? You can learn, and we've discussed this before, you can learn every element yeah. of, of a curriculum through a barramundi. Maths, physics, yep. boating. Bi- biology. You know, like mass in motion tends to stay in motion. Yeah. is eloquent, eloquently demonstrated when you hit a sandbar. Yeah, it is. Because the mass, <laughs> i.e. you... <laughs> is in motion. Well, launches. That's physics. <laughs> and tends to stay in motion. That's, got biology, that's, chemistry. That's physics done. Yep. Science, yeah. the, the whole lot. Everything. Anyway, any 120YYY stickers left to fix these issues, you can have a pant load of them, mate. We'll send a few out for you and the uh, the students. If you want one too, fishing at abc.net.au is the email address. There's a crocodile trap there, but sort of don't take any notice of that. And we drove past their boat and hurled the one and a half metre croc into theirs. They all vacated the boat very quickly. Off like a bride's nighty. Yes. Tales from the Tinny. G'day, folks. It's Carl here from Darwin Barren Crab. I've been mainly concentrating over at West Arm. It's been pretty consistent. The last three weeks have started to fire up more. It's just a matter of finding patches of fish and then staying with them. They move a lot in the harbour. You're sort of just looking for bait to start with. Once you find the bait, the bow shouldn't be too far away from it. They're still right up in the shallow, so you can just see the bow waves on, on their heads when they concentrate in one sort of area. If you can see them uh, sort of tailing in the harbour, they'll bite pretty well straight away. Sometimes you'll uh, get in a bit too close and you'll spook them, you just see the uh, balls of mud off them. When they're like that and you've already spooked them, you pretty well just, you, you've got to sit there for half an hour, hour sort of thing, wait for them to settle back down again, and then you start getting them again, yeah. And have you guys been landing a few? Yeah, we have been. Last set of spring tides, we were getting pretty good numbers, but a lot of small, smaller fish, 20, sort of 30 a day, but only probably six or seven legal, you know. And what are you using to target them? Just um, little rubbers. Yeah, spin gear, just cast them with the wind, trying to get the biggest cast you, you can up in, on the flats, and which is always difficult sometimes with punters. You get sort of more fish on the incoming tide, just sitting in one spot and just waiting, waiting for them to come through sort of thing. You'll get um, little waves of them, you get two or three fish, and then you might sit there for 15, 20 minutes, nothing, nothing, nothing. You, know, you might get another couple of quick ones, you know, and there's a bit of patience involved, but it usually pays off at the end of the day. I don't do too much moving around on the incoming tide. You will sit in one area for a good hour, hour and a half. Nothing happens that doesn't happen, but usually you pick up a few, yeah. Our middle arm's been 
not too bad too. I went and had a look at that the other day and I went over the woods inlet too. There's, there's uh, quite a few fish out on the flats on um, Tulkhead side there. Old Barra. Um, on that flat there you see um, big queenies there at times. GTs on the flats too, yeah. And you can sight cast them as well, yeah. This weekend's a good set of spring tides. All the harbour arms be good to go. There's plenty of fish there. you just got to find them first. Then you'll have a pretty good day, I reckon. You're finding that the winds are still affecting you guys at different times of the day? Yeah, it's been a bit strange. This way. It's been howling southeasters. You try to get out of the wind, but sometimes I, I find the barrel will feed better when there's waves, you know. Like, and the barrel sort of find it hard to find the bait when it's not flat. Like, there's waves in it. They can't see the ripples off the bait. Tough better there sometimes like that. You don't really see them because there's obviously waves there. It works sometimes, sometimes it doesn't, but as long as you know the barrow there, you can sit there and persist in the wind, as long as you um, cast with the wind, obviously. But, but what about crabs? You've uh, dropped any pots lately? Yeah, yeah, we've had um, pots in most of the time. Crabs been hard this year, I don't know why. We've had two good wet seasons, I thought it would have been a really good year. Started to get more uh, crabs out on the flats, but I've definitely noticed more of those olive crabs coming in, those red claw, red crab, whatever you call them, Kimberley crab. They're thicker and thicker. Yeah, well, years ago, you only get... You only sort of get one in, in a certain area, in a certain creek. Now you're sort of getting them pretty consistently. I seem to find the females will start moving to sea this time of year. It'll start getting hotter and, and the males will move out with them. Out on the flats, yeah. So it's just a normal thing, always following the girls. And how about fishing for you in your off time? Is that the last thing you want to do or have you been doing any? I'm going to start doing a bit more, trying to look for this mini little barra. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's five out there now, they say. Yeah, just half of one I'll do. Have you guys got an agreement on board? What's the, what's the situation if one of your clients lands that barra? Do you have that conversation with them? I'll have it every morning from now on. I'll say the fish stays in the net until we come to a fair agreement. You don't um, have an agreement before the lines go in the water? Well, I'm sort of thinking just go fourths. What else are you looking forward to going into the build-up fishing-wise? The coastal creeks, like Mouth of Finnis and Shady Camp, they should produce some good fish. Uh, the Wilshires, Mouth of the Adelaide River, yeah, that usually fires up pretty good this time of year from, from now on on the neap tides. I like fishing there. I don't know if you've any, anyone heard, but a good mate of mine got his trailer stolen there too over, overnight on the weekend, so at Saltwater Arm Boat Ramp. Mm. So he comes back off the water and no way to tow his boat? Yeah, that's right. So That's a bit rude. You'd like to catch him. Alright, beers are cold. It's definitely beer o'clock. Let's crack one. Let's do that. <laughs> Thanks for your time, man. No worries, thank you. Carl Skyring of uh, Darwin Barra and Crab. Ringy. And other fishers. I think all other fishers in the top end, now that we are in million dollar ka-ching territory, you need to avail yourselves of some legal cover. You need aboard your boat the TFT PPA, Ringy. The piscatorial prenuptial agreement. Before you even take the customers on board, mate, get them to sign up. It's easy. Probably won't stand up in a court of law. <laughs> that's... It'll stand up to the bloody pub test, and that's yeah, all that's that matters. All that cares. We've got, we'll just give you a couple of... We've got a, a few options, or you can sign up your own agreement oh, right on the spot, but we've got a, a few multi, multiple-choice options. The overarching premise here is that by signing the document, you agree with your... Skipper, everybody aboard agrees about how you'll distribute any funds should you catch a $5,000 charity fish, a $10,000 MDF fish, or the big one. Let's just go through, quickly go through a couple. We've got option A, the socialist, which is, of course, equal disbursement amongst all crew members of the proletariat. Option B, it's all about me, winner takes all. 
Option C, salute the skipper. The ship's master gets a special nod, as in an, an extra, an extra part of the, uh, the split. Or the egalitarian. The captain gets the lion's share, but the hyenas also feed. So or there's a few options there, or as we said, you can, you can make up your own. Sign off on it before lures hit the water. Do it before lures hit the water. Available in all good tackle shops. And you can get one uh, emailed to you if you want to flick us a message at uh, ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook or email us at fishing at abc.net.au. Print them out and have them on the boat. You know it makes sense. G'day, it's Ronald Vukulis at Fishing and Outdoor World. Uh, the man who has his finger on the pulse of what's happening in this town, or more, more importantly, in the water around this town, Ronnie. What are you hearing, mate? Um, I've been hearing some pretty good reports, although typical build-up, it's, it's been on the, on the neeps. Um, been a really good barra season. I've had reports from leaders, had some good fish at leaders, Finnis, Shoal Bay. I've been out during the week, unfortunately as usually, or as usually happens with me, it was on, we get to go fishing on the bigger tides, around the old full moon, so just to add a degree of difficulty to the whole thing, but we've still been getting a few fish. You headed out to Shoal? Went for, went for a look, went over to the rock, and um, I was, I enlisted the help of Bikini Dave and Wade Kelly, so I got to, had a crack crew, because I had my uh, young nephew up from, from Brizzy, so I'd heard there'd been a few fish around there, so I thought we'd, uh, I got a couple of professionals on board and we went over and Dave pointed out as we're sounding around the rocks, there was virtually no fish, the least amount of fish you had seen. You're already setting this up to attribute blame to someone else. A couple of professionals on board, they no, were responsible. Couldn't come up with the goods. Yeah. No, merely, no, merely saying that <laughs> this is how important it was and being a bit rusty, a bit short of a, short of a gallop, I thought we'd uh, I'd uh, go with some gurus. So... Long story short, we did manage to uh, get the young fella onto a, a good fish. We ended up sneaking over to, got stuck on a couple of sandbars, pushed away over and managed to get into the mouth of King Creek and trolled him up an 86 on a, on a little little minnow, actually downsized from the big stuff because nothing was happening. So, so yeah, mission accomplished. So he was pretty chuffed. And I'd build it up because of who we were fishing with, so I think he was expecting him to have to put a helmet on and watch out for fish jumping <laughs> in the boat. So, so, but no, he had a big, uh, big, big grin after that. Uh, you mentioned neat tides are, are the pick. Uh, at this time of year, are you hearing much from? Well, let's start at Shoal Bay on the on the better tides, on the peak tides. Yeah, well, we've been hearing, you know, King Creek and and the Rock both had uh, the Rock. No one's, or if they have, it, either been at night or they're keeping it quiet. But I've been hearing lots of lots of fish being seen on on sounders and all that. Managing to pull a couple of fish here and there. You know, they're, they're good solid fish in the eighties and nineties. But I haven't sort of spoken to anyone who say you know, got eight or ten fish or something like that. So where there's a bit of boat traffic and, you know, the fish just aren't feeding, not sure. I did actually chat to a fellow who went all the way down to the mouth of the South Alligator and he'd, he's been doing that for a number of years and he'd never marked so many fish over in, in Brooks, but he just said, bugger me if I could get them to bite sort of thing. So, again, it's something that may be different moon phase and, yeah, it'll, it'll turn them on. Leaders, mouth of the Adelaide, this time of year it'd be worth an option too and Wiltshire's on neat tides and build-up? Yeah, definitely. Um, Matty snuck out, uh, Matty West from here, he snuck out um, last week, last Thursday, um, on the real small tides and they got, they got a dozen nice fish, got a, fish in the, a couple of fish in the 80s and you know, a dozen legal fish, so that was that was pretty good fishing, um, just, just casting, casting snags. And I'd spoke to a couple other people on days either side of that who'd, who'd indicated that you know, Maddie and them were fishing Wilshire 3, these guys indicated they got good fish in Wilshire 2, it's just a matter of finding that 
finding that good clean water. And as you mentioned, the Dundee coastal rocks and the Finnis um, just as worthy yeah. at this time of year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, the Finnis has been has been good, and I, I suppose the people that do fish it try and try and keep a lid on it. But um, yeah, uh, I know of at least one fish in the nineties coming out in amongst you know sort of ten or twelve fish. What about shady, mate? I mean, there's plenty of guides going and fishing that, but they're not telling anyone. I'd heard quite a few small fish up top just casting rubbers around because uh, I was getting a bit of info to, you know, trying to glean a little bit of info mm. to see where I could take the young fella. Um, we didn't end up going to Shady. But again, on the neap tides, um, Dean from out that way, is, he's had some people staying there and he himself has been fishing and, yeah, there's been quite a few barrow getting caught and you're not and you're not having to travel all the way down to the mouth either. So, and some, some good fish, he's sort of getting eight or nine good fish. There's some meat-along fish in amongst it, just trolling big green shallow running lures as we normally would. So, um, yeah, I think Shady's been fishing very well um, but probably hasn't had as much activity simply because I suppose Shoal and, and the Adelaide and that would be closer to home they've been fishing well I'll be honest that's why we didn't push out there because we sort of thought we might you know just because Shoal Bay had been producing so we just figured we'd, we'd do that so yeah it, there's plenty of options. Uh, moving out to the blue Ronnie uh, you mentioned uh, Bikini Dave before was just showing us a bit of um, sail porn that he'd been getting onto you've been hearing much uh, a wide of the river mouth yeah definitely the the, um, the it's just the sail fishing's been good it seemed it had a bit of a lull and then it seemed to have come back and um, again we always think in neap tides but on the the big tides I've chatted to Wade Kelly and a couple others they just reckon just push wider it's just a matter of finding water clarity and whether you're in Groot Island or Broome or or out of Darwin, it's all about that water clarity, and that's usually where the where the bait is. But um, yeah, it's all goes well for the the billfish shootout coming up in a few weeks' time. Has this young nephew of yours got other uncles? Well, uh, uh, uncle in law. So yeah, he's actually um, in Brizzy now. So yeah, the the rivers there, he, he tells me, aren't uh, aren't much chop. Have you cemented yourself, um, I mean, amongst his mother and father and all other in-laws and uncles as... <laughs> as the favourite uncle-in-law. the best uncle-in-law who oh, yeah. ever existed? Oh, I reckon I'd, I was close to that anyway. I was sort of the, the pretty cool one. But, uh, yeah, this just sort of... This just totaled it up, I think. He was he, he settled for the dirty big shark that we caught on the on the Sunday that ate his little golden snapper in Reichardt. So he'd had a ball by then, so... And, and I said, oh, this is the start of it. So anyway, yeah. It's, You're uh, not visiting uncle-in-law Ronnie in Darwin anymore, son. He makes me look I'm, bad. Yeah, I'm, ste- I'm sick of steering stories about what a hero he is. Well, he did. Uh, he's already flogged dad as far as big barrows go, yeah, and that's his yeah. first one. So, And um, he's had a few of the boys in the shop saying that oh, you should be coming up when the fishing's a bit better. So I think it, that's only just wet, wet the appetite. Good on you, Ronnie. Thanks, as always. No worries at all, boys. Have a good weekend. That's about it for Tales from the Tinny. Thanks very much to Ronnie Vukalos, Carl Skyring, Belinda and Neil Bingham, Packy Andy, Jason Bettles, Paul, who was on his soapbox about crab pot etiquette, if indeed Paul is your name, Paul, or Paul was a, a very crafty double bluff. Wade Kelly, Craig Latz, and of course, you, Fisho, for your ever-valuable contributions to this fine even if we do say so ourselves. (laughs) Program, Tales from the Tinny. Why don't you get out on the water? If you're not sinking the slipper, see if you can get a million-dollar mullet up you. Oh, there is. Now there is a tourism campaign. Why haven't we... Million-dollar mullet? Awesome. I think we need to take this to the pub, Timmy. Tales from the Tinny. Million-dollar mullet.